hard to believe that it was 11 years ago when Whitney Payne came on our staff as a seminary student here in Austin. And in the ensuing 11 years, it's been our privilege to see her marry Justin, to see them come along and grow in ministry, grow in maturity. They're now mom and dad to Byron and the newly arrived Lucy Wiseman. And today, Whitney's gonna be speaking into the life of our church. She's gonna be preaching because this is her gift. This is who she is. This is what she does, and we are better for it. So I wanna ask you to do me a favor. If you would, please stand to your feet and give a crazy in-house Lake Hills Church welcome to Whitney Wiseman. Good morning, I am so glad to be here. It's so nice to see people, it's nice to see you. And not just any people, but some of my people. You guys are my people and I am so glad to be here. I haven't seen a lot of you for a little while. Um, one, because we're in the middle of a global pandemic, so I haven't been out and about. And also because we just welcomed in the newest member of our family, Lucy Wiseman. She arrived just as the virus was kind of ramping up, and you know if Bill Jones gets to show some pictures of his newest edition, then I sure as heck am going to as well. So we have some pictures of Byron and Lucy. And they are both, they're just so nice. And Lucy is seriously a dream. Like they are both just super magical little people, um, and I am glad that we, our family, gets to be a part of this family. I'm super grateful for Mac and Julie and for the opportunity to be here and grateful to be following up uh, Bill Jones and Derek. And last week, Derek kicked us off um, talking about courage. And today we're pulling a prequel. We are going to uh, go Star Wars style, but don't worry, there's no Jar Jar Binks in this sermon. We're going to be taking a look at Joshua's predecessor, Moses. Moses, who lived a life of courageous faith. And as we do that, um, let's pray together. God, we thank you so much for your word. God, for your guidance. Um, Lord, we thank you for this time and this opportunity to gather together, whether we are in the house or we are in our homes, watching online. And we thank you that you call us together to gather and worship and learn. And I pray, God, that that is what we do this morning. We ask all of these things in your name. Amen. Now, I don't know what comes to your mind when you think of the name Moses, but for me, it is always Charlton Heston. I grew up watching the Ten Commandments with my family, and um, no, matter, no matter what Moses comes to mind, even like baby Moses in the basket, it's Charlton Heston, it, like, with the beard and all. Like, it is always Charlton Heston. But maybe you have a more updated image of Moses in your mind. Perhaps it's the chiseled animated character from the, the Prince of Egypt, or maybe it's the ever handsome Christian Bale from the recent movie, The Exodus. I gotta be straight with you guys. I love Christian Bale. He was actually my first crush. Have you seen Newsies? Yeah. Check that out. But I'm just not buying that Moses. That is not my Moses. It's Charlton Heston. That is my Moses. 
Well, whatever Moses comes to your mind, I bet it is accompanied by the, the great successes, the tremendous faith, all of his achievements that come to mind, not all of the failures and the hurdles that it took necessarily to get to those high moments. But because of those low moments, we see over and over and over again that Moses chose courage over comfort time and time again, and because of that, it changed the course of history for the Hebrew people and for all of us today. He wasn't just lucky, he wasn't born with it, it wasn't in his genes, it was a choice that he made, and that is good news for us today, because we have the same opportunity and the same choice to make. When I graduated from college, I was young and invincible, and so I moved to New York, like one does when they are young and invincible. I moved up there with two suitcases, I knew three people in the city, I moved into a, an apartment full of people that I didn't know, into a part of town that I had never been to, but I was pumped to be there. I was ready to get out and explore, and I remember distinctly this one time, having just arrived, sitting on the train platform and talking on the phone to someone in my family. Do you guys remember when we used to talk on the phone? And um, I was talking on the phone, and they were, remind they were kind of like giving me like a rundown of things to look out for. Like, you know, pickpockets could be anywhere. Make sure you don't fall asleep on the train. Like, you gotta like, just, you gotta be on point and on guard all the time because you may not be as brave as you think you are. So I listened, I had like made some mental notes, I got off the phone, and I distinctly remember thinking two things. One, don't they know that I'm young and invincible? And two, aren't you only as brave as you think you are? I was partly right. Merriam-Webster's definition of courage is mental or moral strength to venture to persevere and to withstand danger, fear, or difficulty. It's all in your head, right? Well, that's only part, right? As Dr. Brene Brown is a researcher, author, and professor, and she studies shame and empathy and fear and courage. Ah, sounds like a riot. Um, but she <laughs> defines courage by starting with the root of the word, she says, the root of the word core is a Latin word for heart. In one of its earliest forms, the word courage had a very different definition than it does today. Courage originally meant to speak one's mind by telling one's heart. Over time, the definition has changed, and today, courage is more synonymous with being heroic. Heroics is important, and certainly we need heroes, but I think we've lost touch with the idea that speaking honestly and openly about who we are, about what we're feeling, about our experiences, good and bad, is the definition of courage. Heroics is often about putting our life on the line. Ordinary courage is about putting our vulnerability on the line, she says. And in today's world, that is pretty extraordinary. She says, and I would agree with her, that our society needs more courage. We need to be living more courageously. See, far too often we are missing the mark. We are choosing our own comfort over courage. We are not leaning into hard conversations. We are avoiding vulnerability. Perhaps we are not loving our neighbor quite as much as we are loving or protecting ourselves. We're not serving others. 
So if we're going to use Dr. Brown's definition of courage, which I think we should consider, we need to check our mind and our hearts. What is our heart's posture towards others, and what is our heart's posture towards God? Dr. Brown's research also has some good news for us, shows that courage is a skill set. Just like Moses chose courage, Dr. Brene Brown's research supports that. And as a matter of the heart, courage has four parts. It requires that we brave trust, that we rumble with vulnerability, that we learn to rise, and that we live our values. Today, during this time, we need more courage. We need to live more courageously. Because if not, we are choosing to play it safe and we are not living wholeheartedly. John 10, 10 tells us that Jesus came to give us life and give it to the full. If we are choosing comfort, we are not choosing that full life that God desires. We're not loving or living into our full capacity. Now there's a part of each one of us, sure, that thinks, if only my house was always clean and my kids were always well-behaved, or if only I always made straight A's and I won every game, or I closed every deal and made every sale, if only I lived on a beach in Costa Rica, that would be the life of comfort. And there's nothing wrong with comfort per se, but I would argue that the things that are truly life-giving and the things that are really worth it are going to require that we step outside of our comfort zone and we lean in to the hard things. We listen to what God is calling us to, and then we follow through. We choose courage over comfort. Now, sometimes the Bible gives us big glimpses, big windows into people's lives, and sometimes we only get a few verses on people. Moses is one of these people where we get like a big picture, um, and he wasn't perfect by any means. There were lots of ups and downs, but he did give us several examples of choosing courage over comfort, and we are going to take a look at a few of those highs and lows today. So from the very beginning of Moses' life, he's not exactly set up for a win. See, the Hebrew people, God's people, were living in Egypt. And God had blessed the Hebrew people. And at this point, Pharaoh is starting to get like a little nervous and kind of threatened about how prosperous they are. The, their, their population is growing, they're doing really well, and he's feeling a little threatened. So he issues a decree to control the population and all of the Hebrew people become slaves in Egypt. Now, Pharaoh's plan doesn't work. God continues to bless them and they continue to prosper. So he issues another decree. He tries again. And he says that all male babies need to be killed. That is gonna be the solution to this problem. Well, the, the midwives, they choose courage over comfort and courageously they ignore that decree and they allow the Hebrew baby boys to live. So. Pharaoh issues a third decree stating that all Hebrew baby boys be thrown into the Nile River. And this is the time that Moses is born. Again, not exactly set up for a win from the start. But the Bible tells us in Exodus chapter 2 that Moses' mom saw him and saw that he was special. Now, I'm a new mom. I'd like to know what mom doesn't think their newborn baby is special. But we're just gonna go with it. Moses' mom saw him, and she thought that he was special, so she hid him away for three months. And when she could hide him no longer, she put him in a basket and put him in the Nile River, 
She totally complied with Pharaoh's decree, right, to put the babies in the river. So she puts him in the river and sends him on his way, and he is found by Pharaoh's daughter. Now, Moses' sister Miriam is watching from a short distance, and she asks Pharaoh's daughter, do you need someone to nurse the baby? And Pharaoh's daughter takes her up on her offer, and Moses is able to go back to his Hebrew family until he is old enough to be weaned and then sent to grow up in Pharaoh's palace. Now, though Moses was a special baby, I can almost guarantee that there is nothing in his short life, three months, that he had done to earn that favor. You see, we see God's goodness and God's grace and God's favor interwoven throughout Moses' life from the very beginning. But there is nothing that he did to deserve that. And despite being undeserved, God's goodness and God's favor is poured out on to Moses. The second part of Exodus chapter two picks up when Moses is a grown man. And it tells us that Moses is walking among the Hebrew people and he stops and he, he sees a, a, an Egyptian man beating a Hebrew man. And the Bible tells us that he stops and he looks to his left and he looks to his right. And now I have a two-year-old, so I know that something bad is about to happen. That's exactly what happens. He stops, he looks to his left, he looks to his right to make sure that no one is watching what he's about to do. And the Bible tells us that he kills the Egyptian man. He kills him, he buries him in the sand, and then he runs for his life. He flees Egypt, he ends up in the land of Midian, where he marries a woman named Zipporah and becomes a shepherd working for his father-in-law. And it is in this moment that God chooses to meet Moses right where he's at. This low moment, this moment where most of us would deem Moses unfit for many jobs. But God calls Moses in Exodus 3, seven through 10. The um, verses will be on the screen behind me and if you have your Bibles, you can follow along as well. Verse seven says that the Lord told him, I have seen, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering, so I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt and into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey, land where the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites now live. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abuse them. Now go. For I am sending you to Pharaoh, you must lead my people out of Egypt. In this low moment in Moses' life, after he murders someone, tries to cover it up, runs from the law, God says, I choose you, I call you to something great, to be the great liberator of my people. You wanna talk about vulnerability? the potential for emotional exposure, physical harm, uncertainty, risk. Yeah, it's all right there, but God, God says, I choose you. It doesn't matter how undeserved or unfit you are, I'm calling you to something great. And Moses, he hesitates at first. He says, don't you know my past? Also, don't you know I'm not, a great, I'm not good at speaking? I'm not a great speaker. But God is not surprised that Moses is unfit, undeserved, or unqualified. And in God's goodness and God's grace, again, God supplies 
Moses with a helper. His brother Aaron will serve as his mouthpiece and speak for him. So though he is hesitant, he, he pulls the classic, like, it's not you, it's me. Like, I can't go, I have to wash my hair, I'm not qualified. God takes care of all of that. And, and despite hesitating, he chooses to answer this great call that God places on his life. He answers the call by making a move, literally a move back to Egypt. He packs up his family, he moves back, he shows up, he speaks up, he stands before Pharaoh, and it is at this point that we see some serious consistency on the part of Moses. Because not only does he show up, he shows up again and again and again and again. It's over 10 times that Pharaoh tells Moses, no, you, you have got to be kidding. You cannot, take my, you cannot take the Hebrew people out of Egypt. Who, who would do all the building? Who would make all of the bricks? But Moses is consistent. He shows up and he fights for God's vision and God's values and God's call on his life. And he was able to persevere because of this courageous faith, because he had a personal relationship with the one true God. You see, he was confident in his calling because he had built confidence in the one who had called him. And that is never more evident than when Moses takes the newly freed people, the newly freed Hebrew people out of Egypt because after 10 plagues, Pharaoh finally breaks down and says, yes, you may go, we've had enough, we can't take any more. So Moses gathers up the people and they leave Egypt. They're not quite in the clear because Pharaoh has a change of heart and a change of mind and Pharaoh's army um, chases after them. And this is where we find some serious courage, again, from Moses. In Exodus 14, verses 10 through 14, they're standing on the edge of the Red Sea and it says, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and they cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out into the desert to die? What have you done bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. It's a little bit of drama. But Moses answers the people. He says, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance that the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see before you, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. I love what Moses says to this anxious, angry, worried crowd. You see, Moses knows from experience that where people are weak and unable, God is strong and God is capable. And when it seems like there is no possible way, God can make a way. He tells them, trust God, be confident, stand still and see what God will do for you today. And God does indeed make a way. God parts the Red Sea and allows the Hebrew people to pass through on dry land and then sweeps away the Egyptian army when the Hebrew people are safe. Through all of the ups and downs of Moses' life, we see him choose courage over comfort. Moses was confident that when God said rescue, God meant rescue. 
no matter how uncomfortable or hopeless the situation seemed. So my question for us this morning is what do we do when we are faced with a big task, when we're faced with uncertainty, with risk? What do we do when we feel unfit, unqualified, or undeserved? What do we do when we are backed up against a Red Sea of our very own? What do we learn from Moses' life that could inform how we might choose courage over comfort? Well, the first thing we learn from Moses' life is that Moses answers the call with action. He acts in obedience. Now, last week, Pastor Derek talked a lot about calling and discerning one's calling, so we won't camp out here for long, but I love that Moses answers the call. He shows up. Now, our two-year-old son, he loves to answer the phone. What he doesn't love to do is talk on the phone. So there have been many times where he hears the phone ringing, he'll run over and answer it and then keep going. Well, that is a little bit awkward. <laughs> Puts me in kind of a, a difficult situation because first of all, what if I didn't want to talk to that person? <laughs> or what if they are trying to deliver an urgent message? What if they're trying to deliver an ice cream cake? What if there's something that I need to do in response? So if you answer the call, but you're not available to follow through, then you, you're leaving other people hanging, you're not doing what you're, your part, it's just every, it leaves everybody in a bad situation. So what do we do? We answer the call with action, and that requires the hardest part, in my opinion, and that's starting. It's taking the first step. We start, we show up, we speak up, we stand up, we lead, we go where God is calling us. And you don't have to have it all figured out, you don't need all of the answers or everything mapped out in order to start. You just need to make sure that you're answering the call from the one who does. So my challenge for us this morning is that you would think about something that God is calling you to, calling you to. I, I have a feeling you already know what it is. And I want you to think of one thing that you can do this week to start. You don't have to accomplish the whole task. You don't have to know the whole layout. You just need to do one thing to start. That is how courage begins. Courage answers the call with action. The second thing is that courage carries on. Courage is consistent. We see Moses show up before Pharaoh. We see his persistence. We see his patience with the Hebrew people. Um, and we see him just carry on. Courage carries on. We're not called to be perfect, but we are called to persevere. Ralph Waldo Emerson says that a hero is no braver than an ordinary man, but he is braver five minutes longer. You, if you are going to choose the path of courage over comfort, there will be hurdles and obstacles to overcome. You will likely fall down, but by God's grace, you can get up. You will get tired, but with God's strength, you can keep going. What if Moses had given up after the third time Pharaoh said no? What if he had given up after the seventh time? I don't think I've asked anyone seven times for anything. Seven is a lot. What if he had walked away after the seventh? No. No, Moses had the courage to continue to show up, to continue to carry on the mission and the vision that God had placed on his heart. 
Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap the harvest if we do not give up. I think LHC kids had some like motions that I need to learn. Kaylee, calling you this week. That's something that, a good verse to hide in our heart, to help us to persevere, to help us to keep going. But we do not give up. The third thing is that courage confronts opposition. See, Moses was called to stand up in the face of injustice and oppression. And Jesus commands us to actively love our neighbor, to serve others, to create shalom, peace where there is none, as Mac taught us a few weeks ago. No matter how comfortable we are, the reality is that there is injustice and oppression happening all around us. And even if we don't hear it, God hears it. Just like God says, I heard the cries of my people and I am here to rescue them. So maybe we need to listen and to choose courage and to choose to confront opposition. And sometimes that opposition may look like naysayers. It may look like your very own people, the Hebrew people, Moses in, the front, of, in front of the Red Sea, his own people said, we shouldn't have followed you. What are we gonna do now? But Moses didn't listen to the naysayers. He didn't listen to the murmurs. He didn't listen to the people who were planting seeds of doubt because Moses' call was not from them. And Moses' vision and his mission was not dependent on what he, they had to say. Moses chose courageously to find confidence in God. And that is our fourth point for today, is that courage finds confidence in God. You see, Moses knew who he was fighting for and he knew who was fighting for, them, for him. I love what he says in this really stressful moment, right? The, the, he, the Egyptian army is coming. There's literally nowhere for them to go. And rightly so, the people start to panic. I would probably be right there with them. And what do we often say in a moment of panic? We say, don't just stand there, do something, right? Our, our reaction is to do something, do anything, just, just do something. But Moses, what does Moses say? Moses chooses not to react, he chooses to respond and he says, don't just do something, stand there. Stand and see what the Lord will do for you today. And this isn't a passive standing. This isn't a stand there and don't do anything. Again, I have a two-year-old. I know that standing still can be very hard, especially when there's an army running towards you, right? But Moses has confidence in God and he says, don't just do something, stand there and see that the Lord will fight for you. You see, Moses and his faith had grown because of this personal relationship that he had developed with God. This faith that developed and to something that we should aspire to, something that lands him in Hebrews chapter 11, we call the, the faith hall of fame. You see, courageous confidence in God, it requires a change of heart, and a change of mind, and it requires faith. I'm gonna ask you if you would just bow your heads where you are this morning. And as you do, I want you to consider what God is calling you to. Because God is calling you to something. And I want you to consider where you might be choosing the ease of comfort when God is asking you to step out in courage. 
Maybe you've been ignoring that call that God is nudging you towards. Maybe you're tired and you're thinking about quitting. You need to refocus and you need to carry on. Maybe you've placed your confidence in someone other than God and you need to refocus and reset your confidence back on the God who has called you to be courageous. Maybe you need to place your confidence in God. And maybe God is calling you to place your confidence in God for the first time. Maybe that is your first step, a step into a relationship with your creator. Because there was indeed a great rescue at the edge of the Red Sea, but an even greater rescue was coming for all of God's people and for all time when God sent Jesus to live and to die and to rise again for you and for I, so that we could be rescued for all of the things that make us undeserved, unfit, and unqualified. If you wanna answer that call, if you are ready to take that courageous step of faith this morning, we wanna give you the chance to do that right where you are sitting, whether you are in this room or you are at home. You can do that by saying this prayer silently where you are. A prayer that sounds like this. God, we thank you that you are the great liberator, that you are the great rescuer of our souls. God, that you restore us back into a relationship with you. God, I admit that I am undeserved and unfit and unqualified. And in all of my mistakes, I trust, God, that you sent Jesus to die on a cross and to rise again so that I could be forgiven and restored and renewed into a relationship with you and new life, to be reunited with the God who creates. John 16, 33 says that I have, Jesus, Jesus is saying, I have told you these things so that you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. Courage is uncomfortable. But he says, take heart. Find courage in me because I have overcome the world. And that is what Jesus does for us. He calls us into courage and he gives us confidence. Now, if you prayed that prayer this morning, if you stepped in to that relationship with Jesus, if you answered that courageous call that God placed on your life, we, we wanna celebrate with you. We want you to mark this moment. This is a big deal. So if you would, right where you're sitting, if you would just raise your hand, just raise your hand as a, as a marking of this moment. And we have a tradition around here that as you put your hands down, we put our hands together and we tell you, welcome home.